Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will teach us what it is you want us to learn, Lord. I pray that everything that is of you would be said, and anything that is not of you would be fall away to the wayside, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, today, our main passage that we're going to be reading from is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14-17. So, if you'd like to grab your Bible, and whilst you do that, what I thought I'd do is um, look at some of the truths that the Bible actually says about itself. So, we know that the Bible is sometimes called scriptures, or also called the Word of God. So, I'm just going to say a couple of things that the Bible says about itself regarding the power of God's Word. So, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, for the two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In Ephesians 6.17, it tells us that the word of God is known as the sword of the spirit. So in the full arm of God, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. In the Psalms 119.105, the longest book in the Bible, or longest chapter in the Bible, it tells us that God's word, it says, your word is like a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, the teachings of the Lord are perfect and they give new strength. The Lord's rules can be trusted. They make plain people wise. So there's a lot of power in the word of God. So as I said before, we're going to be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. If you'd like to go to that slide, please. If you haven't got your Bibles, I do have it up for us. Thank you very much, Adi. So, and it reads, But you should continue following the teachings you learned. You know they are true, because you trust those who taught you. Since you were a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. And that wisdom leads to salvation through Jesus Christ, or salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live right. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable, having all that is needed to do every good work. So, um, God gave the scriptures to prepare the Jewish people and to prepare us for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Messiah. We know that he came to die for us so that he could bring us closer to God. Uh, That's the crux of salvation. And we receive it, we receive that salvation when we believe in the Lord Jesus. The Bible, or scriptures, teaches us about Jesus. It teaches us our need for salvation and the truth because they are God's words. And we know that God's words are true, as the little kids showed earlier. One of the interesting aspects about the Bible is the fact that it speaks to people across many different times, ages, and cultures. It uses loads of different things to explain things. So it uses history, it uses law, it uses genealogy, it uses poetry, prayer, worship, teaching, revelation, vivid descriptive displays, all to declare God's glorious truth, and it speaks to us and guides us every day in our lives. For some people, seeing things like the genealogy or seeing like family histories is really important because we know that in life, family histories are only written for people who have actually lived. One of the other things for some people find interesting is the fact that the way that different passages all point towards Jesus throughout different stages in the Bible. For some people, uh, God's instructions and how different passages, letters, and actions interlink with each other is what is important. For some other people, it's the way God uses his, his scriptures to answer our prayers every single day. So as we look at First Timothy, specifically we look at verse 16, it says, 
all scripture is inspired by God or all scripture is given by God, which means it must be important for us. I know that there have been many instances in our lives where sometimes we try to substitute engaging with God's word by doing Christian things or doing things which are good. So sometimes we try to swap it out and think it's all right. I've definitely been guilty of this. Sometimes I feel like, oh, all I need to do is listen to some worship music or sing some worship music and I'm good. Or read a Christian devotional but not read the scriptures that it's actually pointing towards. Or sometimes it might be serving on a team and doing physical actions or being around other Christians. All of these things are really good and we should be encouraged to do that. We know that in James 2, specifically verses 14 to 26, uh, he teaches that faith is displayed in actions. So faith without works is dead. However, even though these things are really important and we should strive to do them, we need to ensure that we are allowing God's words to inform and shape our actions, motivations, and character. His words help us to see and know him clearly, and it helps to identify what is right for us to do based on truth and not based on feelings of situations which seem to change almost every day. Uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, it says, This is the way we know that we belong to the way of truth. When our hearts make us feel guilty, we can still have peace before God. God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So the context of this verse specifically is that it talks about the way God showed his love for all people through Christ. And it also talks about the truth that he wants us to love others as Christians and as people who follow him. However, the principles here apply to, one, his word and to the truth in our lives, that God is greater than our hearts specifically. Now, Paul, not me, but the author of 2 Timothy, wrote this letter to Timothy um, and gives us four areas in which scripture is, is very useful and can be a, of a great benefit to us. Uh, go to the next slide, please. Thank you. So the first one is teaching. So the Bible shows us what God is like and how he sees us. It teaches us what pleases God. As followers of Jesus, we should use the scriptures as it contains truth God wants everyone to know. 1 John 2, verses 4 to 6 says, Anyone who says, I know God, but does not obey God's commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if someone obeys God's teaching, then in that person, God's love has truly reached its goal. This is how we can be sure we are living in God. Whoever says that he lives in God must live as Jesus lived. So for us as Christians living today, if we are to obey God's teachings and to keep his word, then we need to actually know them for ourselves personally. Uh, the second benefit is that God's word shows us what sin is. It shows us what's wrong in our lives. So the Bible shows us in what ways that we've done wrong. Sometimes it's quite easy to hold a viewpoint that if a lot of people are doing something which seems right, or actually a lot of people are doing something that seems wrong, if everybody's doing it, then actually, yeah, it's fine if I do it as well. But actually, we need to be basing our lives on God's truths and the things that he tells us are right and wrong. The third benefit of God's word is for correcting faults. So the Bible teaches that as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God can forgive our sins. By loving God and obeying his commands, God can change us. In Romans 3, verses 21 to 26, it talks about, I've summarized it shortly, it says that for all have sinned, and falling short of the glory of God. And it also teaches us in what way that we've made right with God again. It says we are justified freely by his grace through redemption in Jesus Christ. 
earlier on, Jesus actually prayed this prayer in John 17, 17. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, to sanctify or sanctification is the process of being made right with God, the process of being, becoming holy. And as Christians, we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word. In John 1, it says, Jesus, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, we also know that later on, he comes in bodily form, so the word became flesh. But it also tells us that Jesus is the truth. He calls himself the truth in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when Jesus is saying here, sanctify them by their truth, your word is truth, I kind of understood this to have a double meaning. Firstly, the fact that Jesus, God's word himself in flesh, and Jesus, our, and God's word, the written word, his Bible, makes us right with him, simply because both of them are truth. Jesus is the truth because he's the word of God, and God's word, the written word, is the truth because it's his word. The fourth benefit that we have from reading the scriptures is the fact that it educates us in all that is right. The Bible teaches us how to live right and the way God wants us to live. Romans 1.17 says, the good news shows us, or the good news shows how God makes people right with himself, that it begins and ends with faith. As the scripture says, but those who are right with God will live by faith. So as we continue on in 2 Timothy, verse 17 says, God gave the scriptures to prepare people for good works. As we obey the word of God, we are able to do what he expects us to do. So as believers, uh, we should be reading and studying the Bible for ourselves as well as community in order to grow spiritually because his word applies to our spiritual lives but also to our physical lives every day. 1 John 4.1 encourages us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We need to know for ourselves that the messages that we're hearing, whether it's from me today or from another preacher or pastor, or if it's from a friend or someone that we're listening to, it could be a podcast, we need to ensure that they're actually in line with God's words. And the way that we ensure that they're in line with God's words is if we know God's words for ourselves. So after looking at all these different passages, I think it would be really apt and applicable for us to look at some practical guides with how we could approach the Bible, like how we could actually study God's word for ourselves and get a lot more into detail with what he's, read, what he's, what he's saying. I'm just going to share, I've got three main methods, uh, some of which I've learned, some of which I've been taught about studying the Bible in depth. Um, I've got our first method. Thank you. Um, I haven't got a title for this method, but it's uh, quite a common method, which I think a lot of you might be quite familiar with in terms of when you're reading the Bible for yourselves. Um, so this has four main steps for this method. The first step is to pray for understanding, insight, and knowledge for how to apply the passages or apply God's word to our lives before we start reading the passages. I think it's sometimes quite easy to just read the Bible and then maybe pray afterwards, God, what does that mean? Help to understand. But actually, because we have a relationship with God, we can pray to him beforehand so that even as we're reading, we're starting to understand the things that we're reading. We know that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And since he lives in us because of Christ, we can ask him specifically, God, teach me before I start reading this passage, what is the right context? What is the right way to read this? What does this word mean? The second step is after reading the passages, then to meditate on the verse. So continually think about what you've read over a period of time. It could be a short period of time. It could be over a long period of time. 
And then the third step would be to write out an application based on what you've read. Oh, we'll go back quick to method one, please. That's it. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, to write out an application based on what you've read would be the third step. And then the fourth step would be to memorize a verse from the study. So I think for some of us, that's probably the harder part, actually memorizing God's words. But if we take it bit by bit, learn a sentence at a time, then slowly it will begin to build and we'll be able to remember what God is saying. So our second method, uh, this method is known as the chapter summary method. And it's actually the method which has the most steps. It's the most in detail step that I've got. Um, the first step would be to write a caption or a title of the passage that you're reading. And although this is actually, what I've listed it as step one, this could actually come at a much later stage. It could actually be the last step to title what it is that you've been reading. Um, the second step would be to look at the content of the passage that you're reading. So in this context, you would write the context of what's been occurring in the chapter, what's been spoken about. You would look at who the text is written to specifically and who it's written by. You would list the reason, so why, the reason the passage has been written. And then you'd also list where or when the passage is taking place or where the passages or the story is happening, where it's happening. Uh, the third step is looking at chief people. So this is listing the important characters from the passages that you're reading or the important aspects if it isn't specifically about a specific person. So it might be if you read something like Proverbs 31, this important character here or aspect would be wisdom because it's talking about the personification of wisdom. The fourth step would be looking at the choice verse. So this is the verse which embodies the whole chapter. It isn't necessarily the verse that is the most memorable, or it might not even be your favorite verse, but it's the one that sums up the passage that you're reading to the best of its abilities. Uh, the fifth step would be looking at the important words. So it would be listing the repeated words or some of the common words or uncommon words in the passage that you happen to be reading and actually studying and finding out what those words mean or the way that they link with each other. Because sometimes in God's word, we know that certain words have more than one meaning. And sometimes multiple words are used, but they're explaining the exact same thing. So it's kind of studying and finding out which ways they link to each other. And then the sixth step is looking at challenges. So what has struck you personally about what you've read? Or what might you feel conflicted about? Um, what do you understand about the passage you've read? What don't you understand about the passage you've read? Uh, writing out those things or thinking about those things uh, really help us to actually apply God's word. And the seventh step is looking at cross-references. So this is actually quite a big step. Um, so you're looking at, when you're reading the passage, then you would look at other verses or list other verses which link to what you're reading. So it might be based on a theme or it might be based on a situation that's happened. So as an example, I've decided let's look at when Jesus got crucified. So when Jesus was crucified, loads of things were happening which were actually in line with what was happening in the Old Testament. So a lot of prophecies were being fulfilled. So we know that one thing is that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that comes from Psalm 22 verse 1. Or the fact that he was actually to be crucified and have his hand, hands and feet pierced and have his garments ripped and divided and have people casting lots over his clothes also comes from Psalms. The fact that he says, I commit my hands into your spirit comes from Psalm 31. The fact that he was given some vinegar to drink whilst he was on the cross comes from Psalm 69. 
And we know probably in detail quite a lot about God's suffering servant in Isaiah 53, how Jesus was to be a lamb led to the slaughter and he was going to die for our sins. So in this stage, you would look at the thing you're reading and what verse is linked to it, whether it's to fulfill scripture or whether it is a scripture to be fulfilled at a later time. The eighth step is looking at Christ. So in the Bible, we know that almost everything points towards Jesus in the Bible. Some things very obviously, some things not as obviously. Um, In the Bible, we know that there are actually many shadow types of Jesus, many people who display similar qualities to him or similar things that he might say or do. Uh, Some of the examples I have written is people like Moses and David and Isaac, but also people like Boaz, who is Ruth's husband. He was the kingsman redeemer, and we know that Jesus is our redeemer. We also got people like Melchizedek, who was an Old Testament priest. He was, his name actually means um, king of what is right, and he happened to be the king of Salem, which we believe later became Jerusalem. And Salem means peace. So his name fully meant king of peace and what is right. So he was a pointing towards Jesus. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, so as I said before, everything in the Bible actually links and points towards Jesus, some in an obvious way and some in a not so obvious way. About eight years ago, I went to Spring Harvest, and um, there was a man called, I think his name was like Chris Kandaya, and he said a very interesting statement, which actually stuck with me, and it's been about eight years since I heard it, and he said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So the whole thing links together. Sometimes it's very obvious, other times it's not, but it's all one word. It's all God's word. So the ninth and tenth steps, uh, these are a little bit shorter, uh, is just summing up the central themes, the central lessons that you gain from the passage, and then writing out your own conclusions, or writing out applications based on what you feel the Bible is trying to tell you, whether it be to your specific situation or general principles to live by. Our third method is known as the topical Bible study method. So this one has a little bit less steps. This one has six steps instead of ten. Uh, The first step would be to choose a theme to study or choose a topic to study. So it could be discipline, it could be spiritual gifts, worship, uh, whatever you decide you want to look at. And then the second step would be to decide on what question you would ask. So if it was something like spiritual gifts, you may ask uh, the question, can we receive all spiritual gifts? Or if it's like the fruit of the gifts, I'll go even more in detail. So if we ask for the fruit of the spirit, so the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So our question might be in this context, um, can we receive all of those gifts or all those fruit? And then what we would do is we would list all the verses that we intend to study. So this is actually quite an important step because sometimes I've been guilty of this. We can find it very easy to use one particular verse or one statement in the Bible to justify an action or particular viewpoint that we hold. But actually what we should be doing is looking at God's word collectively and holistically regarding any topic and seeing how we should act, which is right before him. So then when you get to step four, then you would ask the question of each of the verses, passages, and references. So if our question is, can we receive each of those characteristics from the fruit? My answer would be yes, because the fruit is one fruit, but it gives us all the characteristics which are displayed. And then afterwards, for step five, you would draw some conclusions based on your, on your study. So in, in my conclusion, it would be, Yes, we can receive each of those characteristics from the fruit of the Spirit because it's one fruit that God gives. So it isn't split up into multiple fruits, but it's just the one fruit. So every believer who trusts in God can receive all nine of those characteristics.
And then step six would be to write out a personal application. So those were my main three, the main three methods that I had prepared. Uh, but I had a couple of other suggestions that I think would be really useful for us to use in our, in our daily lives. Um, the first one would be reading the Bible whilst listening to an audio version of the Bible. I know some people find it very encouraging to be able to literally listen to the Bible and they find it easier to remember things in the Bible once they hear it being spoken, so a physical word. So I think being able to study the Bible if you're listening to an audio version and reading it as well is a really good way to build memory on God's word. Um, another suggestion I would give is to use commentaries um, whilst reading the scriptures. So Bible commentaries are actually really, really useful because they explain passages really simply, but at the same time, they could expand upon them and go into real detail. So each passage that we're reading. Um, I've used a lot of um, commentaries over the years as I've been studying, and I find them very useful. Uh, one of the things that I would say regarding using commentaries is be careful that we don't get to a state where we could become completely dependent on reading um, commentaries alone, because then that takes away our ability to kind of ask God to help us meditate on his word for ourselves and actually think through the things that God is saying. So I'd say be very, be cautious when using commentaries, but definitely use them. They're really, really good. But yeah, try not to get to a stage where we become so dependent on them that we're not thinking about God's words for ourselves. And the third and final thing, I'm just coming up to my summary point now. I'll ask the worship band to come back um, if they'd like to. I'll just get to my last point now. Um, the final thing I'd say is when reading the Bible, try and use multiple translations when you're reading it. Um, I found that particularly helpful for making us to understand the words slightly better and being able to compare how certain things can be understood in different ways. Um, particular phrases and sayings can be understood slightly better and explored when you're comparing two different versions. So what I normally tend to do now, I try to read one version, maybe like a New King James version, and then at the same time, I'll read a New Century version, for example, or an ESV version. I look at the slight differences in wordings, because sometimes that helps me to understand what God is actually saying slightly better. So those are kind of like the main points that I wanted for us to learn today. Kind of like encouraging us to read the Bible for ourselves and knowing that our walks with God will grow more as we continue to look at his word and trust in him and ask him to explain his words to us. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pray, and that's going to be the end of, of my session for today. So, Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that your word tells us that you are light and in you there's no darkness. We thank you that you are the truth. We thank you that you are the way. I pray for every single person here, Lord God, uh, whether the messages hit them afresh, whether it's something that they're already aware of, Lord, I pray that you would encourage each of us to read your word and to trust in your word, Lord God. Help us to seek you this week in everything that we're doing, and we pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that your Holy Spirit teaches us what is right, Lord God. I pray that your name will be praised and glorified this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. Shall we stand? And uh, we'll sing this uh, last song. Uh, again, I shaved it up a bit. And um, we'll just sing.
Father, we ask for your blessings and your grace upon us this week. Um, and we pray for your guidance and your love and a renewed um, passion for your word this week. That we would draw closer to you. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for the message that he's brought. We thank you for those practical steps. Um, and pray all of this in your incredible name. Amen. So we're officially drawing the service to a close. Um, we love you all. God bless. We'll see you next week. Laters. No, 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 no. We won't see you next week unless you're at the one event. That's what I was saying to myself earlier. Reminder, I forgot to say, as it said on the news, there is no service here next week. No, that's what, what I'm like. See you at the one event. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.